0: Welcome to another edition of the 90s Club Footy Podcast. This week we chat with two-time Hawthorne Premiership player, Scott McGuinness. Scott, whose bloodlines are heavily linked with the Hawthorne Football Club, made his senior debut in 1988 and was a part of the Hawks' Premiership win over the Melbourne Demons. Scott maintained his position in the team in 1989, playing in the famous Grand Final against the Geelong Cats, earning a second consecutive Premiership medallion. His career in the brown and gold lasted eight seasons and 131 games. In this episode, Scott chats about his lengthy apprenticeship to make the senior team, the back-to-back Premiership victories, starting on the great Gary Ablett in the 1989 Grand Final, missing out on the 1991 Premiership win, bouncing back into form in 1994 after a few lean seasons, and playing with some of the Hawthorne greats. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my chat with Scott McGuinness. Scott McGuinness, thank you for joining me on the 90s Club Footy Podcast. Great to catch up with you, mate, and looking forward to reflecting on your footy journey with the Hawthorne Hawks.
1: Uh, no worries, Trent. Um, happy to be here, mate, and uh, and just talk about my time at the at the club
0: are you someone that likes to reflect back on your footy career or do you sort of keep it pretty close to your chest or? No, I I haven't been one
1: to sort of reflect back too much. I mean, I've got uh, two boys and two girls, so I occasionally bring things up with them. Um, but they quite quickly show that they're not interested as in the girls and the boys think that I couldn't play. So um it's no use trying to uh, keep going down that path because they've probably got a
0: point. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mate, before we get into the footy talk, and I, as I said, I'm looking forward to talking about your footy journey. Um, what are you doing with yourself post-footy?
1: I'm a, I'm a chiropractor. Uh, I've been a Cairo for 30 years, got a, two practices, one in Brighton and one in Somerville, which is near Frankston. Um and yeah, been doing that for 30 years, got two businesses and um, it's going well.
0: Fantastic, and have you had sort of, do you do much sort of sport related stuff with like, I guess, you know, with Hawthorne or anything like that? Have you had the chance to do that or have it sort of been more just uh, private sort of stuff doing uh, yeah, the day-to-day um, chiropractic work?
1: Look, primarily now it's, it's day-to-day. Um, I've got quite a number of people that work with me, so it's quite broad what we offer. Um, Early on when I when I just left or finished my playing uh, days at Hawthorne, I was a qualified Cairo and I'd been sort of building a business and playing at the same time uh, for about four years. So I sort of stayed on and was the club's Cairo for a number of years during that time and that was probably just when it was going full time so I had to make a choice, what do I want to do Um <laughs> Keep pursuing the businesses and um, and sort of let that the Hawthorne um, stuff go. I saw a lot of the boys though, you know, over the you know next ten years really, um, you know, they'd always come into the clinic, you know, on a Tuesday or Thursday afternoon before training. So there was a bit of that,
0: but but mostly now, primarily now, it's just a, a family general practice. Oh, fantastic, mate, love it. Right, yeah. Your long affiliation with the Hawthorne Football Club began in the old under nineteen system, where you're always destined to head there, following in the footsteps of your dad, who I know had played a lot of games in the uh, the brown and gold as well.
1: Yeah, look, I um, I was zoned to uh, Richmond back then, but because of dad's affiliation down there, um, I think I was, uh, if I was good enough, I was going to. Um, uh, be invited down, and I remember Seth Dunn, the old recruiting manager, would come down and watch me play at school, and uh, he'd have a chat to me afterwards, and he invited me down for a couple of uh, practice games in the you know under seventeen squad, and the, uh, maybe even the under fifteen squad. And when I finished school, I went straight down to under nineteens with Ray Biffin.
0: So after a lengthy apprenticeship in the under nineteens and and the reserve squad, you know, played a few games in the nineteens, and obviously the reserve games. You finally made your debut in round two of 1988 against Richmond. Gee, that must have been a proud moment for you, Scott. But also to um, really enjoying all the hard work that you've done and it's paid off, you know, making your senior debut.
1: Well, it was really because I I, I started in the under-19s and played a few games then there and then went into the reserves. Um, and the reserves team back then when I got into it in 85 was – you know we were a very strong club. We'd, we'd um, played in the eighty four grand. We'd won the eighty three grand final. Played in the eighty four grand final. Um, so the reserve team was was literally like a uh, um, an AFL team. Um, it had so many good players in it. Um, so I was very fortunate to 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 get in at that time, and I actually played about I think about. 60 games in the reserves before I got that first um, uh, call-up to, to, to play on the AFL side. And uh, it was, you know, you, you look back on it now and you think, well, 60 games in or 50 or 60 games in the twos, you sort of seem to lose belief that you'll ever get there because um, one year would roll on to the next, but you had to have faith that uh, you would finally get there. Um, and when you did get there, uh, you were ready to play at that level.
0: Hawthorne were a powerhouse side of the 80s, as, as you've just mentioned. Yeah, you know, multiple grand finals, premierships. Was it intimidating early running around with the names such as Tuck, Platt, and Dunstall, Mew, Ayers, Kennedy, and, you know, a lot, lot more? <laughs> well, they were,
1: they were childhood heroes of mine, without doubt. And I remember I played a reserve game with Peter Knights, and he came up and introduced himself to me. You know, I'm Peter, and, I, and I'm like, yes, I know who you are. But you <laughs> don't have to introduce yourself. Anyway, it was, um, it, it it was, it was a great time, really, because you are pinching yourself that these are these are these are players that you've, you know, as a as a young player. And I was mad Hawthorn. I love them, and uh, to to finally run out with them, it was uh, it was surreal. It really was.
0: So 1988 you guys were simply outstanding resulting in a premiership and that was your debut year. Uh what a first season for yourself like you know at the end of the season you've got a premiership medallion around your neck you, you must have been pinching yourself.
1: Yeah it was it it was really you you know you get into the you get into the team and all you're trying to do is just stay in the team. Um we had some good players who obviously were were vying to you know uh get back into the side and I just found a position that I was okay at which was half back and um I held on. So every week I was a week to week proposition every single week I never felt comfortable in my ro- in my position um uh selection it, when it came to selection and um you know just very fortunate to get there and you know you were right it was a it was a very powerful side and we we steamrolled the demons in the in the grand final. And, you know, I think I played 18 games that year and it won a flag and it was just great. You know, it really was.
0: What were the celebrations like, um, you know, as a young bloke, or I guess a mature age uh, player, you know, did you celebrate pretty hard the crew?
1: Yeah, it was, um, of course we did. It was all new to me. I hadn't, uh, I'd never won a premiership before. So that was my first premiership ever. And uh, I was just um, following the lead of some of the more experienced players uh, who had won it in you know eighty three and eighty six and now eighty eight uh, it was it was great. I mean you know the, the, that's what the memory that's where the memories are. I remember those nights, they were just great times, and whenever we get together again now, we always reflect back on what happened that night and who did what and you know it was great.
0: <laughs> and then again, I guess eighty nine was another terrific season for the club. Yeah, you played every game, won another flag. How do you reflect back on your first two years? Well, it was, I mean, I look back now and I would kind
1: of like those two years to be the last two years of my career, not the first two. <laughs> Even though, it, look, I'll take it any, wherever it came in my career, it was, it was terrific. But I look back now and I think I played I think maybe 42 games and I won the 38 of those 42 and two flags. So it was a phenomenal start and... You kind of think, well, this just happens all the time. And you know, the more the deeper you get into your career, uh, the more challenges you face. Uh, you know, with injury and form and um, a lot of things, you realise how fortunate I was to to get those to get those premierships that early, um, and to also have that develop that winning culture of, yeah, we're just going to win. We may be behind at three quarter time, but we've got the belief and we'll get the job done.
0: I think it shows too how bloody hard they are to win. You know, no, and you guys had a super side, but as the years went on, you know, I think um, Hawthorne played in another grand final in 91, but they're hard to win.
1: Very hard to win. And I think what, I think we had, I think in 1990, we just, I think we developed just mental fatigue from being up the top for so long. And it was a lot of the, you know, a lot of the, I think emotion within the within the team was that um, here we've got to do it again. We've got to ride. We've got to uh, climb that mountain again, and everyone's coming to tear us down. And I think mentally we just got we were just cooked. Um, And you don't need much to go wrong for for you to just go off the rails a little bit um, with with your belief and and culture and things like that. So in nineteen ninety we. Even though we we still had a, a a super team, we had a couple of injuries to some players. Uh, I remember, and and we just sort of just sort of lost our way a little bit. Um, and we played Melbourne in the last home and away, I think, and they just beat us. And then we played them again the next week in the elimination final, and they just beat us again. And it's sort of like yeah we needed that we needed that break again because it's just hard to keep climbing all the time and to stay on top so i look back now you know the three people that hawthorne
0: did in 13 14 and 15 um, that's that's phenomenal really what they did oh amazing side that's for sure i want to just go back to 89 and we know how famous the 89 grand final is and mate i'm really sorry to do the same thing that you probably cop all the time when you get the 89 questions you started yeah. on the great man, G Ablett, um, yeah. somewhat of a testing memory, no doubt. What was he so hard to match up on? Like, what was it about Gaz that you just, that everyone, not just yourself, obviously that day, but just everyone found it so hard to match up on him?
1: Well, he, he's hard to match up on because he's a superior athlete and he is um, quicker, he's stronger, he can jump higher, um, he can read the ball really well is uh, courageous and he's got those freakish abilities that allow him to kick goals where, you know, um, most people couldn't. So it, it really was that I had to really rely on delivery to him and have I needed that to be poor for me to have a break-even day. I was never going to um, win the game off my own boot from, you know, playing on Gary. I had to, I had to effectively try to stop him. And um, you know, after thirty seconds in that first quarter of the game starting, he'd already kicked a goal, and uh, it was looking ominous. But fortunately, we had the Hawks had a had a great first quarter, and he didn't get a lot of supply. So it was only one goal in that first quarter, and I went into the quarter time break feeling okay about where it
0: was. Yeah. Uh, an amazing game, and um, yeah, even though you uh, you'd probably hate playing on him, you just probably you just marvel, but um, as an opposition player, of just the things he could do, it was a, it was amazing.
1: Yeah, I was, just, <clears throat> I'm really pleased that I started on him now because you know we won the game. It's it's great, and it's a great talking point <laughs> to, uh, um, you know, who started on Gary in the grand final. But um, and it was all going well for the first probably ten minutes of that second quarter as well until. He uh, kicked uh, the next three goals and, uh, in very quick succession and that's when they made the move and put, uh, and put uh, Langford onto him, uh, which I was not um, upset with at all. And uh, I'm, I think I moved on to Billy Brownless then. And, uh, and Chris, look, to Chris's credit, he even though Gary kept on kicking goals, Chris did provide a lot of drive from, um, from his position
0: on him. It was a famous match, Scott. There's no doubt about it. Geelong were physical from the start, and obviously you had some injured players, obviously Dipper with that ablet hit, and then Yates on Dermy. What do you think enabled you guys to keep calm and play your brand to spot all of those variables that happened early in the game, plus the occasion of playing in another grand final? And I guess on top of that, you know, obviously probably going in with the experienced hand in the grand final, having enjoyed that success previous year. Yeah, I
1: think that's right. I think it was the experience that we <clears throat> just had to keep concentrating and focus on the ball. And and in that first quarter when things were, were getting a bit um were getting a bit loose, we still I think we kicked eight goals in that first quarter to to Geelong's two goals. And that was purely because we were we were focused on on the ball, not the man. And and Geelong probably just um, tried to beat us up a bit too much and just didn't get that um didn't get that scoreboard pressure that they wanted to bring to us. And in the end we were six goals in front and we sort of held that till half time and held that till three quarter time. And in the end it was enough to hold on by, you know, one goal and you know we got the win. So so I do think it was it was our experience, the fact that we just kept playing the ball and kept working to a process and that you know, one of the driving factors of that grand final was that Hawthorne had never, ever played in back-to-back flags. And so we tried in, I think it was, we'd had a few occasions where we could have um, and we'd failed every time. So that was one of the themes that Alan Jeans brought to the table, saying that, you know, we've never, ever done one back-to-back and now is the time to to pay the price and do it. And, and that's what it was. Scott running up towards centre half forward. Robert Scott goes bang with a drop punt kick. It's wide Ooh. and a great mark taken by McGuinness. Crashing into the behind post and let's hope he's okay. Mm. Scott McGuinness. <laughs> a lot of doubt over whether he'd take his place in the side. He's picked himself up. And... Oh you feel, boring? It is again. he his back. Propped up by the
0: boundary fence at the moment. And see there. The doctor. A tough young man by the look of it, Don. Let's move on to the 90s, Scott. Um, over the next two seasons, 90 and 91, you only played 24 games. Was, comf- was competition for spots getting tougher? Did you sustain any little niggle injuries that sort of kept you out? It made it a little bit tougher to get in and play the amount of games that you probably had the previous two seasons?
1: Yeah, I. I dislocated my shoulder um, at the MCG and that put me out for eight to 10 weeks. And it just took me a while to get back from that. Um, And I just wasn't, uh, I I suppose my position had gone then and someone else had come in. Um, I think think Ray Jenke might have taken the position back and there was a few other players, Andy Gowers was playing. And so it was was difficult. I mean, it's not easy getting a a game of AFL football anywhere, but certainly not in those teams in that, you know, after coming off those grand final victories and uh, we were still a very, very strong club and uh, you had to play at your best to get in. And I probably wasn't at my best in that, you know, in those two years. And it just took me, you know, stop, start, you know, came in for a couple of weeks, then out again, and then came in and out. So it wasn't um, – uh, I was close, but just not quite at the level I was the couple of years previous.
0: And I guess 91 would have been a, a bit of a difficult year as well because you guys were, you know, again, a, another great side, premiers at Waverley Park against West Coast. I know you were named emergency. Were you close to getting into that final 2021? Well, <clears throat>
1: I was. Um you know, I think we had we only had two on the bench then and we had three emergencies. So I was in the 23, which was, uh, yeah, I was obviously close. And I remember Teddy Mew sort of strained his hamstring on the Thursday night before training. And I thought, oh, I'm could be a real chance now. Um, but Teddy, to his credit, he, uh, he ran out and played and played a great game and, and I I still remember seeing on his hamstring he had a bruise come out where he'd actually torn the you know torn one of the fibers there so you could actually see the bruise there and where it was sore but he still didn't pull out and he played and he played well so <laughs> so I thought I was I thought I might be able to sneak in but uh, in the end I didn't and uh, look I'm pleased that you know guys like Ray Jenkins and, and Growl and Andy Gowers and everything experienced in premiership. So that's great. Is it a
0: disappointment that you weren't a part of it? They were obviously having been there before and, you know, probably loving it, wanting to have another taste of it again.
1: Oh, I, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's gut-wrenching. You actually think about that grand final um, opportunity missed by myself personally more than the ones that you actually played in. So I did think about – I don't – not so much now, but I, I know early on I did and, um, yeah, burnt me for a while, yeah.
0: Let's fast forward to 1994, Scott, and I think um, you were back up and running at that stage. You had a terrific season. I think you played in every game, baby, bar one or two. You finished third in the best and fairest. What was the factors that got you back into uh, you know, good form, into the side as a, a regular player?
1: I think, um, I think just uh just confidence and belief really just um knowing that uh the, the team was changing a little bit there was um we were um it was transitioning from those older established fantastic players that we had in the you know in the uh 80s and and early 90s they were sort of uh, retiring and and moving moving on and um I think it was just more responsibility, and 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 thinking. Well, I've got to step up and uh, and play a more, um, I suppose, assertive role in the uh, in the team. And um, yeah, just really enjoyed that that freedom and 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 probably more responsibility.
0: What I like about it too, Scott, is that I think it's a great story of just not giving up, and obviously showing that resilience. I think you look at the current climate of football and you know if someone's not getting a game and they're just lingering in the reserves and had some injuries they're quick to say oh you know I wouldn't mind be put up for trade and going to another environment but I think with you you're stuck at it um you got through your injuries and you know obviously missed a few games probably because selection was tough but you never gave up
1: no that's true you've you've got to um you know it's like anyone's career you you look back over your good no one's had a career that just you know um starts low and just keeps rising to the top and you know you never look back it's it's ups and downs every every week every two weeks every three weeks and it's it is that perseverance that um, I suppose um, separates uh, players and you know there's a, a certain degree that, you know players have different talent obviously but if you bring effort and consistency you um, every week you are you are far further down the track than players who don't and you at least give yourself a chance for selection and to actually play well so I I always was tried to be consistent and and to persevere and just to keep going um you know because I was never I was never a player where I felt assured that I was going to get a game every week there might have been you know 94 was a good year of course and a couple of years before that too, but I was never a walk-up start. That yeah, I don't have to look at the uh, the paper on a Friday morning to see whether I'm in the team or not. I had to look every week to make just to make sure because I was never that sure. Yeah, and uh, I think just staying on the edge like that was was um, just kept me focused and didn't go off the rails. And and I knew where I was with my ability and that I had to. You know, I had to beat my opponent, and I had to, I had to play at a, at a consistent level to hold on to my spot. So that that kept me kept me very focused.
0: A couple more seasons further on from '94, you are retired. Did you feel the time was right to go? I guess you'd been a part of the fabric for a long time when you count under nineteens, that fifty to sixty games of reserves football, and then obviously you know a hundred plus games in the uh, in the AFL side or the AFL-VFL side. Did you feel the time was right, or?
1: Yeah, I did. I. I was, uh, yeah, I was probably cooked. <laughs> then I, um, 96, I only played one game. Uh, it was Ken Judge's uh, first year. And I had a few niggling injuries. Um, my knee was, it just slowed me down a bit. I had a bit of cartilage, a bit of a cartilage issue there. And when you start losing your pace at 30, it becomes very evident. And um, And I was, I just felt I was off. Off the pace, I knew it, and and it sort of reflected. And I I played out the year in the in the reserves, which was which was good to do. I had a lot of good friends who were playing out the year with me in the reserves as well, <laughs> who had been with me. The club was at the sort of at the crossroads then, which was you know there was around the merger talk. The club didn't have a lot of money. Um, I was never going to be part of the next finals campaign, so to speak, and I just, it was just the time was right, I think. And, you know, I was 30. I'd been at the club for 11 years. Um, and it's interesting when you, um, when you have a career, you know, for 11 years at a club, the emotional ups and downs is probably what gets you in the end. And, um, and I was quite relieved and it was a huge burden off my shoulders when I did retire and that I could become a so-called normal citizen again and not have that, that pressure of selection and performance, you know, every week. And, yeah. and that was, uh, so that was good. So I was, it was, it was the timer was right to retire. I went in and told Judgy that, you know, I'm retiring. And he said, look, yep. I think that's a good decision. And, um, uh, moved on and then I became the club runner and, you know, on, on match committee. And so, it was a nice transition out of out of football.
0: Can I ask you, obviously, because you know, the brown and gold have been in your family's fabric for a long, long time. How did you deal with the merger talks? You know, were you nervous? Um, were you worried that you know it could go down that path and um, amalgamating with with Melbourne? What was your your thoughts when all this come about? Yeah,
1: it's sort of um, it was tumultuous. For sure, but I never thought it would get to a stage where Hawthorne would merge. I just, we'd been such a great club that we'd, you know, we'd been in so many, won so many flags and premierships in the last 20 years that if this could happen to our club, why doesn't it happen to any other club who hasn't had that success? So I always thought that we, that it wouldn't get to that, but I didn't really, really appreciate or understand exactly, um, how close it was. And, you know, I'm just so thankful that we, we didn't merge and, you know, we owe Don Scott a huge, and all the other volunteers, um, you know, he he effectively did save our club and we should never forget
0: that. Nah, and look at what the Hawks have done now. We've uh, They've been an absolute powerhouse since obviously those flags and our weights and Clark has done a great job in his reign. So, um, uh, very exciting stuff. I want to ask you, Scott. You got to play under four coaches in your time: Alan Joyce, Alan Jeans, Peter Knights, Ken Judge. All good footy people, all good Hawthorn people. Who did you enjoy playing under the most? Well, I think
1: you you enjoy playing under the coach. If a coach is playing you, you enjoy playing under him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I look. I, I liked all my coaches. I really did. Um, uh, Alan Jeans was, you know, everyone talks about Alan, but he he was a, a fantastic man. And he's he's a he's a coach you just wanted to please. Um he was like a father type figure to a lot of the players and um really enjoyed him. Alan Joyce was was different, but he was a um uh I suppose just a, a I suppose a just a breath of fresh air in the club, probably when it might have needed it and just sort of sharpen us up again. Um, uh, Peter Knights was was great also, and I had my best year under un, under Peter. Um, so he instilled a lot of confidence in me and got the best out of me for sure. And Judgey was um, he only played me one game in you know when he was there, but he ended up being one of you know a really good friend and. Uh, you know, and I don't begrudge him because I probably would have only played me once too in that year. So I'm not uh, I'm not whinging about it. That's just the reality of it. And uh, so they're all great in different
0: ways. Oh, beautiful. At the end of my podcast, Scott, I, I always do a couple of quick handballs with my guests just to get some, uh, not some dirt, but I guess a bit of a feel of yeah. some of your teammates and so forth. And I'm going to give you a, a couple of names and you can share a word, a short phrase, a sentence, however many words you want to share on this individual. So the first one is Michael Tuck?
1: Uh, well, Tucky is just a legend. He's uh, seven-time Premiership player. He's the most laconic, uh, drier sense of humour. Um, he was uh, not very verbal on on match day, but he would um, um, he'd uh, he'd walk the walk. He he would do it for you, and he'd show you how to do it. And he'd just be one of those players that just is performance was so consistent. His, um, his demeanor around the club was just so consistent and he just had the respect of every single person at the
0: club. What about the rat, Johnny (laughs) Platten?
1: Well, the rat, not a better, uh, team, um, team player than the rat, both on and off the field. He was, (laughs) he was seriously the, uh, uh, the life of the party. Wherever he went, um, he loved it. He was obviously a phenomenal player, and that's been well documented. But he he was a, a really good team player, and he loved the he loved the club. He loved his teammates. He uh, he we had great times together, and we still do. Whenever we see each other, we uh, always have a great time and a great reminisce. And he is just a super player. What about the great Dermy Burden? Well, Dermot again is. Uh, when you look back on your career and you look at the players that you've played with, you're just so fortunate you've played with with Dermot because I mean he's a legend of the game. What he what he did, his how flamboyant he was, how tough he was, how good a player he was, how he could turn games. Um, what he did in that '89 Grand Final was, you know, truly inspirational and will forever go down in the um, in the history. Of uh, great moments in grand finals where he got picked himself up and you know back back into the pack and kicked that goal in that first quarter, which you know he was focused on the ball, he could have he could have lost his way and tried to you know take players out and whatever, but that would not have been the team thing to do. So he did what he does best and that's kick goals, and that's why we won the game.
0: And the last one I'm going to ask you about the 1991 Norm Smith medalist, Paul Deere. Oh, dearie, well, <laughs> he's um.
1: He's just a fantastic guy, He was he's so laconic, he's laid back, never heard a crossword out of him at all, he was um, the consummate teammate, on and off the field, he'd have great, great times together, great laughs, um, everyone loved Deary.
0: Which team did you love to beat the most? I think
1: back then it was, personally for me, I think it was Carlton. Carlton and Essendon. I mean, they you're probably line ball with those. Yeah, just because they were they were good t- teams, and yep. you knew you had to play well to beat them. And um, as Yabby used to say, you never had to motivate any of the team when they're playing, you know, Carlton or Essendon because we'd be so self motivated ourselves. He didn't have to tell us anything. It was when we we're playing, you know, the Brisbane Bears or you know teams like that that he had to motivate us because. Yep. We just thought we were going to do it.
0: Yep, yep. Can I ask you, who was the uh, the player or players that, you know, were great characters, so I'm guessing the ones that you could sit down and have a bit of beer beer with and, you know, have a bit of laughter and a bit of banter and that, who were a couple that stood out for you? Well, (laughs) uh, Jason
1: Dunstall definitely. (laughs) Um, He was (laughs) – he's a very, very funny man and we had a great connection and his locker was 19 and mine was 20, so we'd sit down next to each other, um, you know, at halftime and, and after the games, obviously. And I remember one time at, at uh, Waverley, it was when he kicked his 17 goals and I knew he'd kicked a few goals at halftime. But, you know, I was down back and I did, they weren't counting them on the scoreboard, so you couldn't tell them. And I, I said to him at halftime as we're sitting down drinking some, you know, Gatorade, I said, oh, how have you been going? And he turned around and looked at me with his silly look on his face and he goes, I've kicked 12. How do you think I'm going? <laughs> so I remind him of that quite a lot and uh, he, he's, he's one of the funniest men of all time and Uh, he never forgets anything he loves it
0: ah terrific i love it i love i love watching him on tv you just sort of feel he's that character as well on tv as well hey the last one scott obviously uh the family tradition has continued at hawthorne with your young fella finn running around and playing at the hawks that must be great to be watching and following his footy journey at the team that your dad played for and you played for yeah
1: definitely um uh it's a it's a great thrill for the family for you know for Dad um, uh, or my father and, and myself. Um, you know, Finn's worked really hard. It's he's been very single minded about what he wants to do and how he can improve his game. Um, and he's got a few opportunities this year, which has been which has been terrific. It takes time, though. You know, it's not easy getting a game in AFL footy. Um, So he'll need games into him to, to improve, but I think he's, he's heading in the right direction. He's improving and it's a big thrill for the family. So, you know, we want him to do as well as he can, but um, rest assured that he'll do everything he possibly can to, to improve himself and getting to the level that's required.
0: Scott McGuinness, been an absolute pleasure catching up with you on the nineties club footy podcast. Really appreciate your time, mate. And thanks for sharing and reflecting on your memories at the Hawks. No problem at all, Trent. Enjoyed it. Number 20, coming back after injury, Scott McGuinness.
1: What about that collision with the behind post there in the last quarter? Also, he's played with a ruptured ankle. So it was a great effort.
0: That's the end of episode 36. If you've missed any previous episodes, you can catch them all on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. We're on all the social media platforms, so drop us a line on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter on any particular episode you've enjoyed or a guest you would love to hear. Next week, we catch up with former West Coast Eagle champion, Brett Hetty. It's
1: tough, it's rugged, it's good, solid AFL football.